Well, good morning to each and every one of you. How many people are glad to be in God's house this morning? Come on, are you glad to be here? Amen. Well, really, it's great to see each and every one of you. And a shout-out welcome to those that are our first-time guests here on site. And shout-out welcome to all who have joined us online, our guests online as well, from here in Ottawa, across Canada, and from around the world. It's hard to believe next weekend is Thanksgiving. And as you heard on the announcement clip, we are focusing our mind, our hearts to the community. And it's our community offering above our tithes. And we're just believing God for $80,000, 20000 from our general fund, 60000 from the generosity of the house and God's church here. Wanting to bless uh, Grace Assembly in Richmond. Their pastor will be here next Sunday with us. And Ottawa Inner City Ministry, their director, will be here next weekend as well. And I'm getting ready to share a message on Thanksgiving. I am so excited for it. And well, this morning, we're going to dive into God's Word. And today is the final message in our Closer Sermon series. And for a couple moments today, before we come to communion, I want to talk to you about spiritual unity. I felt the Holy Spirit take me to three very specific passages of scriptures. And I want to talk to you today about spiritual unity. And the first thing I want to share with you today, I, I want to just take you in the Old Testament to the book of Psalm. And I want to talk to you about the why of unity, the why of unity. If I was giving a title to this message today, it would be called a basket weaved revival. And you're wondering where I'm going with that, aren't you? It'll make sense in a few moments. But let me start by talking to you about the the why of unity. And I want to take you back to a very unique passage of Scripture in Joshua chapter 5, where God's people, under the leadership of Joshua, are now entering into the promised land. And the first place that they come towards is, is Jericho. You remember the story, don't you? Where they marched around the walls seven days, seven times each day, and seven times for seven days, and the walls came down, and God brought them a victory. Let's, let's, let's dive into verse 13, down to verse 15. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, Jericho represents the place of victory, and I believe God is leading this church towards a great place of victory. It says he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. The guy pulled out his sword and Joshua went up to him and said a question that I probably would have asked as well. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Put yourself in Joshua's shoes. You see someone, you don't know who it is. You think it's a man and he's got a sword out. A sword out means you're ready for battle. And obviously the question is, are you for me or are you against me? If you're for me, I can relax because you're going to fight on my behalf. If you're against me, I'm a little nervous because your sword is out. I want you to notice the response in verse 14. Neither, he replied. I don't think Joshua expected that response. But as a commander or as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Bible scholars believe that this was either an angel of God or this was what they call a theophany, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus before he came to the world. And he said, I'm a commander of the army of the Lord. I've now come. And Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. And he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. The question that he asked is, are you for me or are you against me? 
I want to share with you two illustrations, and they're, they're real-life illustrations. One is from the decades past, and the other is currently what we're facing today. But pastoring here for 20-some years, I can remember the question that came to me right about this time of year is, Pastor, what's your view of Halloween? What should the church do? What should we do? And in the conversation, there were people who would say, Pastor, what we need to do is never celebrate Halloween. It's the devil's birthday, and we want our church to have nothing to do with it. And then there's another group of people that would come to me and say, Pastor, we need to redeem what the devil has taken. We need to light the night. We need to share Jesus. We need to share love with our neighbors. That's what we need to do. We need to light the night. Then there's another group of people who said, no, no, what we need to do is have a harvest party at church and bring everyone together and focus on Jesus and let our boys and girls have fun. And then there was a fourth group of people that said, absolutely none of the above. We think nothing should happen. We shouldn't even mention it, and we shouldn't do anything about it. Can I ask you a question? Anybody like to be in my shoes with that issue? You got to figure out, who am I going to make happy? Who am I going to upset? And each one would bring their scriptures and their, their look at it, and they bring verses. And, and, and I've learned that in that journey, we can all have a personal conviction. But the danger is we take our personal conviction and we transpose it on everyone else to the point that we want to make it a biblical precept and mandate for everyone. And there was no grace, but we walked through those days. Now, I want to talk to you today what's the current dilemma in Christian circles that's brought division. And when Joshua asked the question, are, are you for me or are you against me? I think the current issue that the church and people of God are up against and mankind is up against, here it is. I'm going to bring the proverbial elephant into the room, vaccinations. There it is. And Christians are divided over it. There are people that contact me and email me and say, Pastor, we, I want you to get on that platform and you need to encourage everyone to get their vaccination. It's scientifically proven and this is what we need to do and you need to use the platform to share it. Then there's another group of people that contact me and they say, Pastor, I want you to get on that platform and tell this church to not get the vaccination and here are my reasons and, and, and camps have been created and the devil is using this to bring division in marriages in families, in churches, amongst pastors, and amongst believers. And there are congregants today that really are struggling. We have congregants that their businesses are on the brink of bankruptcy. We have congregants that carry the very deep personal conviction that they are choosing not to be vaccinated. And because of that, they're about to lose their job. And even as I say that, there's some of you are saying, just get vaccinated, what's the issue? And camps have been divided, and, and the devil is using this as a point of division. And even as I say this, some of you are waiting for me to give my stance and my opinion, and I'm just going to go on the record and say, I'm not telling you my position on this. I'm not telling you am I vaccinated or not vaccinated, and you don't really know. And if I share my position, I'm just going to draw a line in the sand, and some of you are going to be mad at me, and some of you are going to want to applaud me, but I'm here to expose that the devil is using this today to become the age of outrage. And Christians are divided over it. And families are not letting their grandchildren see their grandparents. And now we're at the point where what will we do as a church if vaccination passports are mandated to the church? It's a very tense 
and difficult time. And I feel God has been saying to me this week to expose what the devil is doing and to reveal to this house today that we must not allow this to become a point of disunity, but maybe we need to respond as Joshua. When the response came from the the commander of the army of the Lord, I'm not for you nor against me, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I've got something to say to you. And Joshua fell on his knees in reverence. And I believe what God is saying to the church is to put down our swords and to focus on Jesus and realize that there's going to be different opinions and views and convictions, and we need to honor and respect those views and honor and respect those convictions and not let the propaganda of the media that's either for the vaccination or against the vaccination to consume us. I've had people come to me and they give the proverbial quote and they say, those anti-vaxxers, I'm just being very honest and transparent. And I've had to stop them in their tracks and say, hold on a second. Are they against vaccinations or are they vaccination hesitant about this vaccination? And I want to make a statement that even if you're sitting here today and your view is that you do not want anything to do with any vaccination, I honor you and I respect your opinion. And if you're sitting here today and your battle is I'm hesitant to this vaccination, I honor you and I respect your decision. And if you're here today and you're saying, no, I need to get vaccinated, I honor you and I respect your decision. But church, can you hear the heart of your pastor? Let's not let this be a place of disunity. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and make he the one that unifies us. I am not a doctor. I'm not here to tell you one way or another. I am not a financial advisor. I don't tell you where to put your money. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm calling the house to the place of unity in Jesus. Come on. Can we give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God? God has not called us to uniformity. God has called us to unity. I'll take you to number two, the what of unity. Now I share with you very briefly a passage of scripture penned by David. Everybody, you remember David, don't you? Everybody say David. One, two, three, David. David knew disunity. It started as a young boy with his brothers when they were up against Goliath and he went there and there was disunity. What are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. Disunity began to manifest with Saul, King Saul and himself. Disunity there. There was disunity in his family. Absalom tried to take the throne from him. There was disunity in his marriage where Michael despised him when he was dancing before God. If anybody understood disunity, David did. And so he penned this Psalm of Ascent in Psalm 133. It's three verses. And there's three things. Number one, the praise for unity. In verse one, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. David said, it's good, it's pleasing, it really is wonderful when God's people dwell together and do life together in that place of unity. Number one, the praise of unity. And then there's number two, watch this, the pictures of unity. And he gives two very specific pictures of unity. And I'm gonna explain a basket weave revival in a moment. And the first picture is in verse two, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. 
And he takes the illustration of the priest Aaron and also a king like himself, David, had the same experience where they pour oil on him. And the oil that be poured on a priest or a king in those days had a very sweet smelling fragrant aroma. And that oil will be poured on Aaron's head. It's coming down from above. It's like unity comes from God and it's poured down. Oil poured on his head, over his beard, onto the collar of his robe. And the oil speaks of fragrance. And there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 2.15 where Paul said, We are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. Paul picks up this analogy and says, You church of, of Corinth are meant to be a sweet, fragrant aroma of God. And when there's unity in the church, it's a fragrant aroma to those that are being saved and to those that are perishing. It is pleasing to God. It is attractive. It is something that God uses. And then he gives another illustration in verse 3. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. And he talks about the dew that would come from the clouds and it would rest on that large mountain Hermon in Zion. And it would, it would come down onto the mountain and it would bring a freshness and a moisture and a fertility to the land, a freshness. The oil speaks of fragrance and the, the, the dew speaks of a freshness. And when there's unity, there's a fragrance. And when there's unity, there's a freshness. Now, let me explain why I use the title, A Basket Weave Revival. Because if we were living in those days and we were making a basket to carry the harvest that we were collecting in the fields, we would go to the water and we would pull up reeds, dry reeds from the river. Reeds that were brittle and reeds that were dry. And I want to suggest that each one of you represents a reed. And then they would take the reeds and they would soak them in water for days. And they would let the water moisten the reed so it was pliable and bendable. And then they would take a reed with another reed and another reed and another reed. And they would weave a basket together that would be large enough for them to go into the fields to collect the harvest. And they would allow the water to moisten the reeds so they could weave the reeds together and make a basket to collect the harvest. And once the basket is made, they would let the basket dry out. And when the basket dried out and the the reeds were, were pushed together and now dried. There was a basket ready to contain the heaviness of the harvest that they were collecting in the fields. Now watch this. David talks about the praise of unity. And David talks about the, about the, 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 the illustrations or the pictures of unity. But the third thing David talks about is, is the power of unity. Because thirdly, he said, there the Lord bestowed his blessing. It starts with the praise of unity to the pictures of unity and now to the power of unity. And he says, when there's unity, God bestows a blessing and bestow means command or bestow means release. It's like God was saying, when there's unity, I command and I release a blessing. And now a basket that's been weaved. I think David understood that. Because he talked about the oil that would come down on the beard of Aaron and the dew, the water, the moisture that would come down from the clouds onto the Mount of Hermon. And I would suggest to you that oil represents the Holy Spirit. And I'd, I'd suggest to you that the water represents the Word of God. And I'd suggest to you when God is weaving a basket 
to contain a church, a church that's the basket to contain the move of God, to contain the revival, to contain the souls that he wants to bring in. He takes us as a reed and he soaks us in the word and he soaks us in the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. In the natural, oil and water don't mix. You know that. If you mix oil and water, the molecules of water would sink to the bottom and the oil would float to the top. But we're not speaking of the natural. We're speaking of the supernatural oil and water don't mix but when you get the water of the word and the oil of the holy spirit it brings a stickiness in the house and it brings a church together in unity that no longer we make it about vaccinations no longer we make it about halloween no longer we make it about mass no longer we make it about our rights no longer we make it about our preferences and our differences we make it about jesus and i'm here to declare that god is weaving together a basket called Woodville to be a container for the revival. Now watch this. I believe that unity, unity is not the result of revival. I believe unity is the cause of revival. It's the releaser of revival. When there's unity, revival is released. Why would God send revival to a church if the church was not unified? Why would God send brand new souls and believers to a divided church? I'm here to declare God is weaving a basket called Woodville. You're the reeds. I'm the reeds. And he's saying, soak yourself in the word. Soak yourself not in the social media. Soak yourself not in the six o'clock news. Soak yourself not in all the challenges in the world. Now watch this church. I don't believe that the vaccination is the mark of the beast, but I believe that there now is a conditioning to get the world ready for the mark of the beast. And I'm not here to debate with you today. Should you be vaccinated? or should you not be vaccinated? My heart breaks when it brings division in your family and brings division in your home, but I expose the division. We're not going to let Satan bring division in this house. We're going to let Holy Spirit soak us in the Word, soak us in the Holy Spirit so he can get a basket ready to contain the revival of God. Come on, somebody give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. In Acts chapter 1, 120 gathered in an upper room for 10 days, getting ready for the outpouring of Pentecost. 500 were invited, but only 120 showed up. 120 gathered for 10 days and worked out their differences. And once they worked out their differences, we come to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, they were in one accord. It's not a position or a place. It's a spirit of unity in one accord. And the windows of heaven opened up and God sent forth his Holy Spirit. God was waiting for his people to get in unity before he poured out his Holy Spirit. And the devil's trying to destroy the unity in this church. And I expose it today in the name of Jesus. On my watch, we're not going to let the devil divide you on this topic, divide the leadership, divide you, divide me, divide the people. We're going we're gonna to go for unity. I said, we're going to go for unity. We're going to go for unity. We're going to let God weave together a basket to send the revival that he really wants to send. I want to share with you this illustration. A father had three sons, and they were fighting. And it got so bad, he brought the boys together, and he took the oldest, the strongest, and I'm going to show you boys something. He gave the oldest boy a stick, and he said, break it. The boy broke it. 
He gave him two sticks. He said, no, break the two sticks together. It got a little harder, but he did it. He gave him three sticks. It really got hard, but he did it. Time he got the six sticks, he couldn't break them. He couldn't break them. And his dad looked at him and said, that's because there's strength and power in unity. And he said to his three boys, he said, a house divided will fall, but a house united will stand. And I believe God is telling us today that there's strength and there's power in unity. The third thing I want to leave with you is the practical, number three, the how of unity. The how of unity. Number one, the why. Number two, the what. Number three, the how. And I want to take you to Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus. And I want to give you some nuggets of truth that I believe are going to practically help us today as we navigate through this difficult season. Verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord. This was one of Paul's prison letters. He was a prisoner physically, but he said, I, I'm, a, I'm a prisoner to God. He's, he's in charge of me. I urge you to live a life that's worthy of the calling you've received. Now look at verse 2. He calls the church of Ephesus, he calls the believers to be completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love. I want to invite us today as we navigate through this difficult season, whether you are vaccination hesitant, or whether you are pro-vaccination, or you are against vaccination, I will call you to be patient. I will call you to be humble. I will call you to be gentle. And I will call you to bear with one another in love. Let the church not be the age of outrage, but may the church be the church marked by love. St. Augustine said it the best. He said, with essentials, may there be unity. With non-essentials, may there be liberty. But with everything, may there be charity or love. And I'm calling us to be humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love. And, and I studied the Greek word for bearing with one another in love. And it means to tolerate one another, to, be, to, 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 to honor one another's differences, to, to, to see that they might look at something differently, but not rebuke them for the way they look at it differently, but to be accepting of their different view on, on something that is not this biblical essential, but to bear with one another in love. And so I just say to the heaven, May God help me to grow better in humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance. And may God help you. And may God help me. Now watch this. Verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That verse is loaded with truth. And make every effort is a Greek word that means it's really going to be hard. You're going to have to really work at it. It's not going to be easy. If anybody's been married for a long time, you know it takes a lot of work to keep peace in the marriage. And you got to make every effort to keep the unity. Now, underline the word, keep the unity. Keep the unity of the Spirit. Paul is teaching us that our job is not to make the unity, but to keep the unity. We're not called to produce the unity. We are called to preserve the unity. You can't create unity. Only God can create unity. That's why David said, it's like the oil that pours down on the head of Aaron. Or it's like the dew that 
comes down from the clouds onto the Mount of Hermon. Unity comes from the Spirit of God. You're not called to, to produce it. You're called to preserve it. You're not called to make it. You're called to work hard to keep what God has already created through the bond of peace. And then he goes through the seven ones. There's one body. Friends, there's one church. And I expose today that the devil wants to the whole vaccination discussion to divide pastors, to divide churches in the city, to divide church members. But there's only one body. You know, church, I've got Holy Spirit in me. You got Holy Spirit in you. You're my brother. You're my sister. And we got to learn to get along. We got to learn to honor each other's differences on this. We've got to learn to let God help us to realize there's one body, one spirit. There's one hope. Verse 5, there's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one God. And there's one Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. So we're not trying to make unity. We're not trying to produce unity. We're trying to keep what God has already created. We're going to work hard. We're going to let God give us more gentleness. Amen. More humility. Amen. More patience. Amen. More forbearance. Amen. We're not going to allow our personal conviction of how we view this transcend on everyone else. We're going to honor each other. We're going to give room for the way to look at this differently. And we're not going to fix our eyes on vaccination. You know what gets me, church? Most of conversation nowadays are about vaccinations. I pray that our conversations would be about Jesus. That's who we should be talking about, Jesus. Verse 11 down to verse 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. If there's any Bible theologians in the room, you know a hot topic is the fivefold ministry. We're not going to evade it today. I'm here to say to the apostle establishes the church. The prophet enlightens the church. The evangelist enlarges the church. The pastor encourages the church. I'm a pastor. And the teacher educates the church. I'm a teacher. To equip his people. And the Greek word for equip means to mend that which is broken. And you and I are broken people who have come to Jesus. And he's making us more like him. To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. And the analogy is something in the water that's tossed back and forth. And the devil wants Christians to be tossed back and forth. The devil wants Christians to stay as spiritual infants, blowing here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, watch this. Instead, speaking the truth in love. And I'm calling you and I to be clothed with love. When we share our views, speak in love. Speak in gentleness. We have congregants because of their convictions are about to lose their job. But they're standing on their conviction. That ought to put you on your knees and me on my knees to pray for because this is really difficult. This is not the time for us to pick up our swords and stand on our view. This is the time for us to put down our swords and get on our knees and function with humbleness and gentleness and patience and forbearance. He calls us to speak the truth in love, verse 15. 
We will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who's the head, that is Christ. Verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Look this way. God is making a basket called Woodville. He's taking you and me as a reed and he's weaving us together. And he's calling us to live in humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance. And he's making a container to contain the harvest that he's about to bring. And could it be that our attention needs to be on Jesus? It's staying on point in mission to reach the lost because that's what it's all about. If the vaccination is now a conditioning for the mark of the beast, could we very well be in the last of the last days? And if Jesus is coming back soon, and I believe he is, we better put our attention on him and reaching people for Jesus Christ. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite the worship team to come. And I want to close with this illustration. One of my favorite writers is A.W. Tozer. Get a hold of anything he writes, it's amazing. He wrote a book called The Pursuit of God, and in that book he shares the illustration of a hundred concert pianos. He said, when you got a concert piano and you're tuning them, you don't take the second piano and tune it after the first piano, and you don't take the third piano and tune that after the second, and the fourth piano and tune it after the third all the way to 100, because if you do that, you're going to have a lot of disharmony and discord. He said, the way to tune 100 pianos is tune each piano individually to the tuning fork. And he went on to say, when it comes to unity, the tuning fork is not one another. The tuning fork is Jesus and I've been praying God make me more like you fill me with more gentleness more humbleness more patience and more forbearance and the only way I know how God can do that in my life and in your life is to soak yourself in the word of God and in the oil of the Holy Spirit. And then God's going to make this basket called Whitfield. I believe we're about to step into a season of revival and harvest like we have never experienced before. God said to me, stay the course, Mark. I'm about to do some things that you've never thought possible. And now the devil is kicking hard. And I'm saying, I'm exposing that in the name of Jesus. And we're going to let Holy Spirit and the Word of God bring us closer together in unity. Somebody say amen in the house today. Amen. Just before we have communion, let's worship and song together.
Every head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. Whether you're here on site in the main level in the balcony or you're watching somewhere across Canada or around the world or here in the city of Ottawa, my question to you, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you're ready for heaven? Was there a time, was there a place, was there a moment that you asked Jesus to be the center of your life? Jesus is the way, the truth of the life. The way to an eternity in heaven is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this world for you. He died for you. And eternity is all about making yourself ready for heaven. And heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you can't answer that question with a definite yes, I'm ready, I'd have no greater joy than to lead you in this prayer of receiving Jesus. And we're going to join you as you pray. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life, please forgive me of my sins. Today I declare you as my Savior and my Lord. I make my peace with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise be to God. I believe there's people here on site and people watching online that you gave your heart to Jesus. You made the best decision of your life. If you're here on site in a couple of moments, when we walk out, drop by an exit table. We got a Bible for you, a little booklet for you. And get into our follow class. It's going to help you in your new faith journey. Get baptized in water. That's the next step. And if you're still checking out Christianity, get into Alpha. It's for you. Go to our church website. It'll share more with you about that. Well, I want you to get the little cup that you picked up on the way in and peel back the first layer. And there's a little wafer. And we're going we're gonna to partake of the emblems. If you're at home right now, get some bread, some crackers, some juice, and celebrate communion with us. And once you get that little wafer out, I know it's a little tricky, but once you peel back that first layer, I want you just to hold that wafer up. It represents the body of Jesus. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together of the wafer that represents the body of Jesus. I want you to peel back that next layer. You doing all right, friends? I know it's a little tricky. This represents the blood of Jesus. The blood represents life. Let's hold it up. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup of juice that represents the blood of Jesus. You could put that cup down. Woodville, can we put our hands together and celebrate? Come on, celebrate our Lord God Almighty. We're going to worship in a couple of final moments here in song. Then I want to lead you in prayer very specifically. But before I do, I want to thank you for joining us today. Can we just give it up for all of our first-time guests today? Come on, we're so glad that you came today. And if you're a first-time guest on your way out at an exit table, we've got a coffee cart for you. Secondly, church family, if you've come prepared to give on site, there's offering buckets on the way back, debit machines in the lobby. And lastly, if you'd like personal prayer, there's going to be a team of people standing at the front. Feel free to come to one of these lines and COVID friendly. They're going to pray for you because we believe God wants this place to be a house of miracles. Can we just sing a little bit before we close in prayer?
moments can I invite the house just to feel free to lift their hands and just as a posture of surrender and I'd love to pray for you today and if you're at home watching online just lift your hands Father God I believe that you are weaving together a basket called Woodville preparing us for the revival that you're about to send and I pray God that we would soak ourselves in the word and be soaked in the Holy Spirit and you would help us, God, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in this house. I pray, God, that you would help me and you'd help each one. Help us, God, to grow better at humility. We don't have all the answers on this. Help us, God, to grow better at gentleness. And God, we wouldn't have an edge when we speak in love, but we would have gentleness. Help us, God, to function in patience and forbearance. And I'm asking God that nothing would hinder the unity in this house. And I pray God blessing over each one in this place today. And I pray God that the devil would be exposed this morning for what he's trying to do. But would you be lifted up, God, in this place? This is your church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So God, encourage each one, bless each one, bless every home, every family. I pray blessing over each one, and I pray that the best for our lives and this church would be the days to come. Give us a great day and a great week. In Jesus' name. Nobody whispered amen. Everybody shouted amen. Amen. Come on, give another clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Amen. Well, Evelyn and I love you so much. Have an amazing day and an awesome week. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless you.